Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Crunch Time. Delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster. Available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling. Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X. Built tough. Coleman Jones did the ruck work over the top, straight in the lap of Braun, who edged it forward. Taranta used his strength to get into the clear and kick a magnificent goal. He kicks it inside 50 to a milling pack, and it takes some marking. Mumford Jada cleared to Bohr underneath. He's got it online and bounced it home. The Giants pick up the late bonus. Mumford whacked it down. O'Halloran pounced. Left foot kick to the square. It's going to be Taranto's third. Jacob Hopper takes his time 30 metres out. He gets it working on line. It's just about over. It's 11-4-70 to 3-3-21. Ward. He is a mile out from centre-half forward. He gives it everything he's got. It's across the face. It feeds back late. And it gets in for a goal. <laughs> Look how happy he is. You wouldn't have backed it in flight, but Callan Ward with everything going right for the Giants. So the siren about the sound, the footy doesn't quite make it to the forward 50, but the Giants have delivered two Friday nights in a row and are just about there for September. The reign of the Tigers is over for now, it seems. They are done and almost dusted in season 2021. We've been in a lot of games. We've, you know, disappointed. We lost a couple of close ones a few weeks ago, which probably then put more importance in the last two weeks to give us an opportunity to stay in the eight. You know, we haven't won two in a row for a little while, so that's really pleasing. But overall, really pleased for our know, supporters to see us again on Friday night playing a good brand of footy. There was no escape for Richmond this time, buried deep by the Giants, as Leon Cameron's men seize control of their own fate, gripping tight to a place in the finals. We'll measure the fortunes of both teams. The review found that the case for Tasmania is strong and that there should be a team representing Tasmania in the AFL, AFLW national competitions. However, the best form of that team is less clear-cut. I have to say I'm very disappointed with the AFL this morning. Yeah, once again, they have attempted to kick the can down the road. Rancor and acrimony greet the tabling of the Carter Report, determining Tasmania's case for entry into the AFL. We'll take the temperature in the Apple Isle, and it's fair to say it's high. I'm pleased to announce all four remaining clubs, Essendon, Hawthorne, Port Adelaide, and the Sydney Swans will join the NAB AFL-W women's competition in 2022. It just hurts. And I was racing abused last week and the week before that. It just keeps happening. I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of fighting. Damien Hardwick reached out to me and he, he talked about Richmond's courage to 
to back him in. 2016, he went through a similar thing and to, to stay strong. And I'm really hopeful that, uh, that our club back me in and have the courage to stick to the course and, and to, to finish what we started. And emotions run high as Carlton reaches decision time. Eddie Betts pleads for help and the AFLW becomes complete. Ahead of a vital Saturday in the penultimate round of the home and away season. This is the round 22 edition of Crunch Time. There is so much up for debate here. It feels like we walk day by day toward the end of a season and who knows what shape that takes while staring at the horizon and wondering what's there. We know on the AFLW front, it's less clear from a Tasmanian perspective. It is all in crunch time today as well as a nod to the Giants, who left quite the impression on the defeated coach last night, as it looks like Richmond's time is up for now. Jared Waitley with you. Justin Leppich was on duty last night on Channel 7. Leppert, great to see you. Good morning, Jared. What Good did you be. come away from last night with? Oh, well, it's probably too... Obvious. Every time you go to a game, every team has a story, don't they? And Richmond really... If you really cut it down, it was simply they just didn't look as good a team. They didn't look as sharp at the contest, outside the contest. Um, and watching it live, it was very evident they were beaten in both facets of the game. So um, they're not the team they were last season. And I guess the next part is why. Why aren't they the, 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 the team from last season, which we can dive into? And what can they be next actually comes into view exactly. now as well. Yep, absolutely. And that's what their preseason will uncover, I think. But I think personnel-wise, I, I don't think it's going to be an issue because they'll, they'll get more soldiers back. Um but I guess it's the other parts that we always question when teams are on the demise. Have they been worked out? Um, you know, are the players getting better, the older players, or are they stagnating and going backwards? So there's, some, there's always some questions and some unknowns in these as well. Nick Del Santo covered it with us last night. Dal, hello. Hello. A very good morning to you all. Uh, I was just really grateful last night that the Giants backed up the performance from the week before and that we are now leading into a final series. And it wasn't that long ago, Leper, that we were like, well, what's 7 and 8th going to do when come finals time anyway? There's no purpose or there's no chance that they are a possibility to do something exceptional in September. And I've been reassured by the Giants off the back of their performance last week against the Cats, fronting up again against the Tigers last night, the way they went about it, the way that they moved that football was fantastic. So I'm really excited for what their future could look like as they approach finals. And Sam Edmonds with us on Crunch Time. I think it's fair to say, Sam, and a whole lot of French passions are inflamed. Can't wait for our debate on Tasmania a little bit later <laughs> on in the show, Jared. Looking forward to that. But last night, the tsunami, the orange tsunami is back. What a season they've had. They were 0-3 to start the season. Injuries galore. On the road, as we know, for a large period of time. And they've found a way. And last night, that way was Tim Taranto with the Toby Green impersonation for the ages. Four goals from 18 touches. They Looking back, they could have saved themselves a few thousand bucks. The appeals board, the Giants, and just said, Tim, you're playing forward. Get the job done for us. They were amazing last night. Were you surprised, Lepper, with how much was at stake, uh, how short Richmond's breaking point was? Yeah, it was disappointing, wasn't it? I think it's hard because I think we've made a lot of excuses for them this season, particularly as far as their personnel goes. But... We've touched on what GWS have gone through the last two weeks with their personnel changes and have beaten Geelong and Geelong and also beaten Richmond uh, in a do-or-die game. So, yeah, it is. Uh, probably for me, the, the two the two bits that aren't football-structured related was probably the energy in the group looked like it was down. And then when you start to see free kicks 
um, particularly from experienced players, some frustrated free kicks. There was probably half a dozen. That's mm. a lot um, from their core experience group just to give the ball back. And a few of those resulted in in goals. So um, they're, the, they're the things that are more controllable that they can need to, they, they should look at. And a couple of those were early. So first of all, yeah. there was the Tom Lynch free kick against Sam Taylor as Jack Rewalt's laced oh. one from 50 out on the boundary line. Then moments later, it's Dylan Grimes that gives a free kick behind the play as the ball's being bounced. Yep. 75 metres away where he elbows, I think it was Himmelberg in the back. So there's a couple of easy opportunities for the Giants, not only to find their feet, but to say, hey, we're, we're right on top here. And then I think that was later, it was Prestia that gave away a verbal 50. So that the frustration was filtering through. And from my perspective, watching the game last night, it looked like the Tigers wanted to be the intimidators again. Yet a team that had 10 players last night in the Giants under 50 games were like, no, no, we're perfectly fine. We're comfortable backing up what we did last week. And for them to give up those two goals, the Tigers in the last 45 seconds of that first quarter, that was damning. It was just so significant about the flow. And ultimately, they kicked seven goals in that first quarter, five in the second, and they walk in with a really comfortable lead, 50-point lead at halftime. Yeah, and I thought Leon Cameron coached the game well. He kept the Richmond backs engaged, so he made sure they just couldn't drop off and intercept and do what they wanted to do. And then what that enabled also is their midfield some space to sort of break out. And they, they decided to do what... A lot of teams have done against Richmond this year that have had some success, which I'll go back to the Geelong game, where they just took on the tackle of Richmond. We always know how great they are as far as a pressured team, but they broke that front line of Richmond. And once they did that, they had multiple options going inside 50. I mean, how many times you saw a Giants player literally bouncing the ball unimpeded, looking inside 50. Now, that that's the ultimate panacea when you're coaching is you don't want to be sort of blast kicking over the defense, you know, because that's where Richmond want to mark the ball. They, how many times they worked through that contest and had an open look inside 50. So a big tick for them in their coaching I staff. thought the way that they used that ball, and we complimented them last night with that kick inside 50, it was almost, well, it was, it was in between the lines of the zone. So the, the zone's pretty much every 10 to 15 meters if you could just take a freeze frame and look, okay, if they can lace that one through there, we'll give them that, but we're not giving them another one. Time and time again in that first quarter, the Giants had a total of five marks inside 50 last week. They had that and more in the first quarter last night. Their, their use by foot, their execution to identify that space and then hit it, was it was tearing them apart, the Tigers' defence. So what's eaten Richmond this year is a question for mine, Jared. Is it, it's simplistic to say and hard to measure, but is it just a matter of they're just cooked mentally, physically, and it only takes a couple of things to go wrong and perhaps you think, boy, it's been a big load to carry for the last four years. We've gone deep into a season, shorter pre-seasons, and, and there's an element of just we're buggered and we need a rest. Yes, and that's that's the marker of the the end of a rain or the pause mm. in a rain, whatever that is. And I suspect all of the unnatural circumstances. Mm. And I think Damien Hardwick's been um, insightfully honest where a lot of coaches are trying to cover it up and, and jolly hockey sticks will get our way through this, is he has spoken about the cumulative toll. And they've, they have felt it. And I... What is it now? They've lost seven out of nine. Mm. So remember the idea when we were going, could they run the table in the yeah. back end of the season? Well, they've lost seven out of nine. Yeah, it's gone the opposite way, hasn't it? Which, oh, look, one thing when you're building, like every club out there is building to do what Richmond have done in the last four seasons and like any dynasty team has done. Every club's out there trying to find that. But whilst you're in the building phase, you're not actually having the second meeting. Okay, once we've actually done our three or four in a row, how are we going to go after that? Because you're not even thinking at that stage. You're just like, well, let's let's face that problem when we come to it. So a lot of this stuff will be new for the Richmond Footy Club. I saw it happen at Brisbane when I played. We fell off the cliff pretty quick, never recovered um, back. Hawthorne sort of sort of held sway, didn't they, for a few years? Got O'Meara in, got Mitchell in. Never really made an impact, though. And now they've eventually mm. sort of gone back to the pack. So which one's Richmond going to be? Are they going to just quickly bounce? But 
no other team dynasty teams done that yet. Most have sort of petered for a few years and eventually had to go. Was your group exhausted off the back of three in a row, then the 2004 lost grand final? Did you feel exhausted? And can you some way relate to what the Tigers have dished up the back half of this year? Yeah, because there's a couple of things on that. I think there's three parts to it. There's the there's the structural part. There's the opposition's been able to pick you apart and try things against you for four years now and try things against your system and what you're doing. Then you've got Richmond's availability. You you don't have – so the kids, they play there last night. They, there's no Matty Rowell running out there. They, they pick 18s plus, you know. They got – you know, there's a few times where Ralph Smith or Rioli, they just got pushed off the ball so easily. There's those little – parts to it as well. And then the last part is what we're talking about is the older players, are they full? Are the bellies full, the ones that are there? Are they like, okay, you know, I've been through, I really love footy. I still love playing football, but I've done and achieved everything I've wanted to do. I still want to go out there and compete, but is it at 100% or is it at 95? And it's only fine lines in mm. this game. Trent Koch is still a great player, probably their best player last night. Um, so he's, they still get great output, but is it ultimately what you need to do to be a, a top-line player? So let's hear from Damien Hardwick because with finals really out of reach, um, it would take a mathematical miracle <laughs> that's not even worth contemplating. I think I think he's known their fate for three months and there are moments where he's raged against it, but he knows. So what, what comes of it? There's a possibility if we don't make finals, it's an obvious... Obvious solution, and we've made our job certainly harder. I think there's a slight mathematical chance, but um, yeah, the side we played tonight, you know, their first half was as good as I've seen this year. Um, you know, they moved the ball really well, looked really damaging up forward. Uh, their midfield strong. You know, they got some really good backs down there that intercept as well. So, um, you know, whilst we're not uh, going anywhere near as well as we'd like, the, the side we played looked, you know, a million bucks tonight. So, all credit to. The GWS and the way they played, and you know they might be hitting their straps at the right time because uh, I'd hate to run into them in, in September. They've got some good players playing, some some really good footy at the minute. There's a lot of factors why we're not playing our best footy. You know, like I said, we you know our turnover game is strong. Uh, scores from stoppages have been an area that's hurt us this year. Uh, once again, because our yeah, we had some personal personnel issues down back, but. Um, our connection inside 50 is another area that, that hasn't quite been to the level that we'd like. So these are all things that we think we can fix. Um, it's just been a really difficult year. We've had a, you know, a, a tough year like most clubs. You know, we've been in and out of hubs. It's been um, incredibly hard at various stages and we probably haven't won the games that we, we needed to. You know, we lost probably a, three or four games by under under 10 points, which is disappointing. And, and all of a sudden, if we, we do win those games, the, the picture looks a little bit differently. But... Fact of the matter is, at the moment, we're clearly not good enough and there's sides that are certainly a lot better than us playing in the finals at the moment. The situation is for us, you know, when we have a, a good pre-season, I think we'll be a hell of a lot better. Um, you know, it's been a tough road. Three out of the last four years have been, you know, long, deep in September, then obviously over the last year that we have. And I'm not going to lie, this year's been as hard as it's ever been, I think. And whoever wins it this year is going to have a, an enormous, you know, tick beside their, uh, beside their club. Um, but, you know, if our guys do refresh, uh, regenerate a couple of things, you know, get some uh, some young talent in and invest in the talent we've already got, I think we'll be a reasonably placed to have another crack. So that's Damien Hardwick forecasting the, the capacity to come again. And they do have the draft picks if they choose to, to bring young talent in. And then the capacity to refresh. And it's 
I admire. He makes absolutely no effort to hide it while most people are desperately trying to hide it. I think it's it's good to have that voice out there just expressing how difficult things are at the moment. Yeah, I, I think one thing about our experienced coaches, Adam Simpson's the same, and Dimmer, they're the great realists of the game, and they, they can sometimes speak and often too honestly, um, to the supporter, but they don't have to fudge what they need to say. You can tell there are clubs that back their, back them in and back their words in and, and back what they do, um, and they've got a lot of support behind them. And Damien's a smart coach. He knows the game as well as anyone. I've worked with him, so he knows exactly what needs to happen. But like everything, how long is it going to take? I think next year's going to be an interesting year for them to decide. They'll go into next year knowing these things, that they haven't had the preseason they haven't had the run Dustin's been missing all those sorts of things their back line's been decimated as you mentioned but I think next year will be like oh are we now a I don't know fourth place team or are we a first place team I think they'll still go in next year not not knowing which part of the rankings even if they do make finals which part of that eight are you um, so it'll be interesting there. I listen to that and think that Dimmer completely understands what this group has been through from the physical perspective and how many times you can ask for this effort and this unrelenting pursuit of winning a flag, which they've given for four years. Yes, they missed one in between, but they have been going day in, day out, better than anybody for four years. And it takes a toll at some stage. So as I listen to Dimmer speak there, I think he gives it some perspective. I don't know whether he would ever voice that to the playing group to say, our our effort has dropped off, our execution has dropped off. But I understand in a lot of ways. I don't know if he could ever voice that to the group because it's this constant drive. You always want more and nothing is ever enough. But I think in his heart of hearts, you touched on it for the last three months. There's been a feel of there, there is an explanation about why the chase hasn't always been there, why the desire to win that contested football, which happened multiple times last night. And I look at the numbers and the Tigers actually won the contested possession. But we yeah. know the game is broader than just getting your hands on it. The pressure from the Giants was immense and it was repetitive time and time again. And the Tigers just couldn't go. So I think Dimmer understands all that. Just the decision is now, where does he assess the group with the list management? Do they go again mm. or is there this bring this next group through? And I think we'll know all these answers, Sammy, in the next month with the delistings and then ultimately the trade period about who they believe that they are for another 12 months. He did say in the list management space, and he chose his words carefully, Damien Hubbard, that they would go to the draft. It looked like they would. So they got two first-round picks and then two second-round picks, two pretty good second-round picks as well. So four picks inside 30 was the last indicative analysis there. And they got a big decision to make on Basher Hooley as well. 13 games last year, 12 mm. this year with the syndesmosis. So will he go around again? Well, Basher was on radio yesterday. Saying pre- he wanted, He yeah. said 100% yeah. he was in. And then Dimmer wasn't as definitive no. last night when he got asked that question in the presser. So that'll be an interesting one. Basher will be 45. He'll still be <laughs> saying one, one more year. Yeah. Mind you, he, he is... Obviously, um, a very fit man. He's, you know, as far as he does everything well, well yeah. for his body and he looks after himself. So, If he's not at Richmond, would you go after him if you're another footy club? Uh, my thoughts on these, and you put Tom Lynch in the same category, you've got to be, if you're going to another club, they've got to decide, okay, he's that one piece that is going to win us a flag, which I don't think he's there yet because he may not, his body may not last for that. Or you're there for another reason. You're there for leadership reasons. You're there to help others grow because we need that. Like, like a bit like Chris Fagan did when he brought Luke Hodge up and those sorts of roles. So that's Richmond. A bit more on the Giants next. Lockie Whitfield is going to join us. And then the great Tasmanian debate uh, of the past 24 hours of the past 30 years. Mm. We will indulge in that. We'll put a forum together down in the Apple Isle. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. To help us with the feel on the ground. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. And for Red Rooster, Jared, delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster. Available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling. The Giants by 39 points, second Friday night in a row, and they have taken a grasp of seventh place with ten and a half wins and their fate in their own hands. If they beat Carlton next week, they will play finals. Lockie Whitfield has been instrumental in a lot of this. Lockie, great to have you on Crunch Time. Congratulations and welcome. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Is it satisfying today to play those two Friday nights in a row? Yeah, it's been quite enjoyable. Um, We don't often get the Friday night fixtures, so... Um, yeah, we really look forward to them. Although there wasn't any fans, and we know, you know that's why you want to play Friday nights in the big stage. But um, yeah, we've been able to play some really good footy of late, so it's um, a good vibe at the moment. Was it significant to be able to back up last week's performance? And Leon spoke about the frustration of not being able to win two two in a row a bit too often this season. Yeah, it was. It's quite um, a little bit relieving almost because consistency has been a big issue for us, especially coming off good wins against the good teams we often um you know just probably relax a little bit um the following week so to be able to have two really impressive performances back to back is pleasing Lockie congratulations on the last two weeks personally but also as a team and speaking about that inconsistency a lot of it's been forced with the flipping of the magnets of the ins and the outs due to injury some suspension in there as well how pleasing it is is it as a, a leader of the football club to see this young group come through and also have such a balanced performance over a two-week period yeah, um, you know, it's nothing new for us um, of late to be hampered by injury. So you're right, the mag- magnets are definitely flipping, but the young guys are, are coming in and playing some really great roles for us. And um, they're bringing a, an energy that um, us old blokes probably can't sort of provide at times. So that they're a real big reason to why we're playing well at the moment. And, um, you know, like players like Xavier O'Halloran and Connor Iden, who was locked down a spot in our back line, are just really big drivers in that. Have you put yourself in that bracket of one of the older players, Lockie, that needed that sort of youthful exuberance to help you keep going? Because no one works harder than you. <laughs> I think I am at the moment. Um, the list is, you know, hugely young. So, um, yeah, it feels it feels like I am one of the older blokes now. And, uh, yeah, I've been nine years in the system. So you sort of have to learn as you go. And I'm trying to learn my leadership as it is at the moment. But, um, yeah, just really enjoying all the years the energy they bring. Your club for a period of time has been criticised in a lot of ways for not having enough role plays. Over the last couple of weeks, and we use role way, role plays in a polite way, have they been emphasised for how important they are to this group, whether it be the younger players coming in or what we do know as those traditional role plays? How have you emphasised their importance on this, uh, on the couple of performances? Yeah, hugely. I think, um, you know, playing your role in our team is uh, often emphasised through the week and in our review meetings. So, uh, it's what we go out there to try and do because we, you know, we reflect on that pretty heavily through, um, you know, watching the watching the tape on the on the Monday morning. So, um, yeah, that's all you got to do if you want to play consistent footy. Everyone plays their role, and that's, we've been able to do that of late. Hey, Lockie Leper here. Um, mate, it looked like really last night you had a real conscious effort to want to break that tackle and bust through Richmond's front line. I didn't see many blast kicking and things like that from stoppage. Was that a real focus from Leon? Because it really made the Richmond backs accountable. Yeah, Lepo was. Um, we we thought we did it really well last week as well against Geelong. Just, um, you know, once we were getting the tackle, just to be able to absorb the pressure and either 
hold the ball in for a stoppage or just get a, a one-hand ball out and try and move the ball forward. And, um, yeah, again, through the week, we spoke about it a lot, trained it as well, um, knowing that Richmond are probably the best team being able to disturb that. So, um, yeah, I think we executed it pretty well. I think we're still, at times, could have probably gotten it better, especially in the second half. But, um, yeah, pleasing, mate, pleasing. And and also the big mummy, we all love him, and I love the big battle with him and Nank last night, the two big bulls. What does he provide for the group? Because he tends to play a couple of weeks, then maybe a week off here and there. What does he What does he like for the group? You got a great win loss record when he does play too. I think it's like seven and two when he plays, and two and seven when he doesn't. Something crazy like that. <laughs> yeah, um, well, mummy just does what he's been doing for the last ten years. He just hurt um, blokes. Yeah, hurt blokes. <laughs> but he's, you know what you're going to get from mummy when we talk about consistency and role play. Um, he probably epitomises that. You know, you're going to get a, a really hard attack on the ball and someone who doesn't give up. But the one thing he's been adding, is, I think he's hit a couple of snags of late, which yep. is a bit confusing to me and <laughs> probably to the rest of us. But, um, yeah, he's, you know, it's, it's an interesting record. You've just said the two and seven thing. So, yeah, or hopefully he plays the rest of the season then. <laughs> Lockie, watching from a tactical perspective last night, it looked like you didn't want to necessarily press up on the mark. You wanted to keep the ball alive. And I think the terminology you might use is energise the football. So making the Tigers take that space and therefore you can have an 18-man defence still in front of the football or behind the football. Is that something that was specific for the Tigers last night? Or is this how you guys like to go about your football when you play your best? Um, I think that was probably something that um, just eventuated through the game. We didn't really talk about it too much through the week. But... um, through that first quarter, uh, a few blokes up in the forward line um, just spoke about it and then it, it progressed through the whole team and we were able to, to do that to try and be able to trap them and use our sort of, yeah, full ground press and bubble sort of defence on them. So, that was, yeah, it's just, I guess, a few blokes recognising the game pretty well and being able to communicate it throughout the team. And, Lockie, I was talking to well, great mate Craig Lambert, and he thinks maybe he might be the difference now that he's joined the hub <laughs> the last couple of weeks. And is it Adam Schneider that's gone home now for you, Groove? He's taken that, that role? Yeah, so Adam, um, you know, when Melbourne went into lockdown, he's he's got a family, a young family up in Sydney um, that, you know, he went back to, to be part of. And, you know, a lot of our coaching staff are doing it really tough at the moment with families back there. So, um, you know, I have huge credit to them for just continuing their role. But, yeah, Lammy's come in, um, did the two weeks up in Brizzy in the quarantine with Mel. And uh, he'd like to say he's the difference, but he's, yeah, he's good. <laughs> Craig, eh? Hey, Lockie, it's Sam Edmund here. I wanted to ask you about Josh Kelly, who was magnificent again last night. Now, you've been in his shoes in terms of, you know, signing a long-term contract and all the speculation that comes with that. How and when did he tell the team that he was staying? Um. Well, I didn't know actually until about two hours before it got released. So, right, um, he, he keeps things pretty quiet. He keeps them close to the chest, as Josh. And um, you know, with with the last contract and this one, um, he's you know sort of t- taking his time, which he's definitely allowed to do. And I think people just know how he goes about the process. So, I, I, I personally and a lot of the other guys just leave him be and have faith that he was going to make the right decision. And you know, I never thought that he was going to leave personally. So. Um, yeah, it eventuated how I thought it would. So I'm I'm very pleased to have him for the rest of his career and probably longer. Might, yeah, have, been, possible. might have been a giveaway when he rocked up in a Ferrari and bought a boat that week <laughs> as well. <laughs> so there might have been a couple of little yeah. subtle things. How was the yeah. group holding up as a, as a whole? Like, I mean, you guys have done it as tough as anybody over the last two years with the travel and the lack of seeing your family. Speaking about Adam Schneider going back for personal reasons, as a collective, it looks like you've got a lot of purpose in the way that you're performing. 
but how are you holding up knowing how challenging it is? And as a leader, getting across the group to make sure that everybody is feeling in a, in a good place. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough at times. Like um, a lot of our families joined the group last week, which made things a bit easier, but I think we've been on the road for seven plus weeks now and I um, feel like we're bouncing around a bit, but um, it's probably the young blokes that don't like, don't have anything really tying them to Sydney that are just kind of like on a working holiday, really that are, bringing that energy through the week and on the weekend and keeping everyone up. So um, big kudos to them. But, yeah, it's sort of, unfortunately, it's probably something we're used to now, which, is, you know, isn't a great thing. But it is what it is. Keep the season rolling. And, um, yeah, we're just in a good spot right now. What's your personal circumstance, Lockie? Did you have anyone come and join you through quarantine? Yeah. Yeah, my partner um, did the two weeks up in the hub. And, yeah, we're together now, which is pleasing, makes life easier. And Lockie, what are you being told about the pre-finals buy? I mean, we're led to believe, and I think a lot of clubs expect it to be scrapped. Is that what you're being told at the moment at the Giants, that they'll you'll roll straight on into finals? I don't know, mate. I haven't right. had a word of chat about that yet. Um, I think, yeah, it was just a, it was almost like a elimination final for us last night. So we just can put all of our effort into that. And um, we've got the weekend off, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about that, uh, I don't know, maybe the week after next. But... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one more game to go. We'll, we'll just make sure we rock up next week and then probably think about that stuff after. One more about your game, Lockie. We were talking before about roughly how far you would run in a game and how well you run out, particularly the second halves. Can you give us and probably the listeners just a bit of a gauge that might want to challenge themselves or think that they're at AFL standard? How far would you roughly run in a game? Um, I'd, oh, the GPS probably say plus 15. Um it kind of differs per position. I think when I'm up on the wing, it'd be a little bit more. But um, I don't mind playing halfback. You get a little bit more rest. But then again, you're chasing someone around. Your high speed meters are up. So you're probably just half as tight doing that. But um, yeah, a couple of Ks here and there. Let's, let's go the other way. I'm thinking about going for a run this afternoon. Who could I relate to? Who runs the least? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you'd think Mummy, but he actually covers the ground Does pretty he? well. Um, yeah, he's actually fit as. Um, the way he ran off the ground after know. kicking that goal late, I thought I was going to be able to keep up with him. I thought I'd have Mummy covered. <laughs> yeah, he's um, he loves getting on the, in the swimming pool and that. He's pretty good through the week with his fitness. Um, but yeah, he always just looks like broken, doesn't he? Like the way he does, he just, it looks like he's about to trip over his own feet or something like that. Hey, look, there's a lot of kids that actually wear the GPS now in local footy, and there's a few down at Peninsula, your old school, that I do spend some time with. What yeah. is the what How is you the, going down there, Lepa? Well, are they, we, are they we winning games? No, not really. We haven't um, <laughs> we haven't played a lot either throughout lockdown. In fairness, but what is the measurement? If you had to say, because a lot of kids are wearing the GPS now, is it metres a minute? If anything, they're looking for in their game to be like an AFL player, would that be the one thing clubs look at? Um, oh, it's probably all position based, mate. But yeah, metres per minute. Um, you know, anything around the one forties is good. Um, yep. Obviously, K is at the end of the day. But we we talk a lot about repeat sprint efforts and high speed metres. So, okay. um, just you know, your efforts above twenty. I think it's like twenty six k an hour or something like that. How many times you can keep repeating those sprints? Yep. Lockie, good on you. Uh, enjoy the weekends off, although it is in lockdown, so these things are all relative, aren't they? But uh, well done on last night, and good luck uh, in securing that finals position. Okay, guys. Thanks for having me. Lockie Whitfield with us on Crunch Time. Shout out to our partners at Western at uh, Werribee Nissan from the Werribee and Western Automotive Group, who are celebrating their 25th birthday in the month of August.
It has been a momentous week in the history of the game. The full AFLW expansion, so all 18 clubs the season after next. And the long-awaited Carter reports on Tasmania's aspirations to have their own AFL team. That was unveiled yesterday and became the source of rancour and acrimony. So shortly, we're going to head down to Tassie. And the two most prominent reporters who have plotted every step of this will join us in a special forum to give us the feel on the ground. But the broader feeling in the AFL world. So I'm absolutely intrigued as to how this has landed. Um, maybe I'll so I'll go first. So I read the report on Thursday night in full. So without any extraneous noise, just got it, read it privately. And I came away and thought, what a magnificent moment. Tasmania is coming into the AFL. Yep. The landmark report that has finally made the case as to why and to give a pathway of how. And it's exploded all the myths of the past, endorsed the the critical work that's been done out of Tassie, and also um, emphasised the moral obligation that the AFL has. Deserving was the yes. word. Yes. And to fully, to complete what the AFL aspires to be as the keeper of the code, they need to bring in a Tasmanian team. There's no sidestepping this. So I read it and had this, mm. my heart was full. Tassie's going to be in the AFL. Now, there are practical steps in there. And then yesterday, it landed in just a burst of negativity, which I was taken aback by. The kicker in the report was, from the Carter Report, was reaching a yes decision should not be influenced by COVID. That, for me, was the kicker because that was seen to be the snag. Look, the people of Tasmania are angry because they say that Gill's response, Gil McLaughlin's response, didn't align with Colin Carter's report. And somehow this has gone from a state deserving uh, a team, and in Carter's words, uh, one of the three options was a 19th licence, a new franchise from scratch, and it has morphed into a relocation or a joint venture, quote-unquote, which which is a relocation in disguise, a bad disguise, a moustache and the glasses and the full, the big nose and the full bit that no one's buying. You know, 10 years from now, a special um, committee will be formed to decide where the team should be played. I mean, that is never going to happen. The t- people of Tasmania, and I can't wait to go down to the Apple Isle a little bit later on, are angry. They say they've, they've been stalled again. Peter Gutwin yesterday, all sorts of threats about the future of the game down in that, uh, in that state. It wasn't the report, Jared. It was the AFL's response to the report, I think you'll find, has upset the apple cart down there. Did they skip past the lap of honour? How would they be doing a lap of honour? Well, they've been definitively told that there will be a Tasmanian team in the AFL. So when you do a lap of honour, what if you, you've got a medallion, you've got a cup? They've got nothing material to hang on to except words on a page that Gil McLaughlin has just offered no timeline to, which is the big thing that Peter Gutwin has wanted. No, Nothing material that they can hang on to. And that what was in the Carter report, they already knew was coming. It's only validated what they already did in the Tasmanian Task Force report. They want something they can hang on to and they haven't got it again. After reading the report, and I like the way you went about it, Jerry, to read it before the influence of the outside noises, you've read the report as well. Do you think it was fair not to give a timeline? Do you think it was unreasonable to say, hey, here's the definitive date, whenever it may be, given everything that is going on, do you think that there needed to be more clarity on when? Because that's the big issue. When? Yeah, so 
how, how precedes when. Yep. when. And the how is a relevant debate. So the, the moral argument is, is so well made. And then there are practical steps. There's the practical step around being a startup as mm. against being a team that's already formed. So if you're a startup, you're coming in the middle of the bottom third in the wealth table, and that will always be your position. Is that the deal breaker though? Like no, no, there are no deal breakers. It's been, this that's is, been put it, up in it, lights. That... There is no deal breaker. This document says Tasmania will have its yep. own team. Now let's work out which one it is. And in a way, it's for Tasmania. This is what it looks like. If you come in, you will forever be in the bottom third. If you take a relocated team, which I understand there is a private view, certainly out of the Premier's office during this, that a relocated team is far from the worst idea, then you come in in the middle and that's the position that you'll always hold and you skip over the painful and gruesome years that the Suns have experienced. At least we're going, we would be going into a heartland state where at the moment we're in you know, the equivalent, for lack of a better phrase, we're in, the, we're in Vietnam at the moment trying to start a side up. We just spoke to Lockie Whitfield at GWS. So we've plonked a game in the middle of the Western Sydney where everyone's like, what's this sport you call football? At least if we're going to, to a mm. traditional footy state, that all that is superseded. We jump forward half a dozen steps, surely. And the other source of angst I suspect down there in Tasmania is that suddenly it's become a problem for the clubs to argue over who should be relocated. Is it North Melbourne? Is it St Kilda? Is it Hawthorne? You're going. No, you're going. And the reason we're fighting is because of this state down here. So they've been put out to be the enemy suddenly. It's twisted around to a relocation, which is the other thing I suspect they absolutely despise. Yeah, one thing too, well, I guess there's two parts. When, when you look at the history of the new franchises, the ones that have worked, West Coast Eagles, Adelaide Crows, they were almost gifted the local talent from the scratch. From, they had from a the team of local talent. Basically, the Brisbane Bears had nothing. It was like, give me player number 44 and 45 from every one of your lists. And that history would show that's what, you know, when GWS was forming the Giants, that's uh, sorry, and the Suns, that's why they didn't go down that path. They gave them a heap, you know, a whole list and, and row of, um, you know, I guess special privileges to get a good team on there. So that's a new franchise is going again to sort of bastardize the draft and, and, and go down that path. But who's going to relocate in a world where equalization, both on the field and off the field, are you ever going to go that bad that you, like Fitzroy were, where you, you're going to be destitute? Like, you can't or, see it. Can you, you can't because equalization, because like let's say who's, who's, who's losing the most amount of money at the moment? Well, it'll be the St. Kilda is. is in the most. But then why would they go anywhere? They know, well, with equalisation fund, we'll get half of West Coast money next year anyway. So could back you to imagine a board sitting down yeah. privately and saying, hey, we're just going to quietly go to the AFL and put our hand up just to test the waters about if there is a possibility and it's the best case for us, if that's to go down to Tasmania. Imagine if that got out. Imagine, imagine how long that board would oh last. Oh, my gosh. We, we, we recommend going to Tasmania and the members revolt and they're out. They're yeah. straight clean out. And this is – so the – AFL, VFL worlds, this is, it's just not how it's geared. There's so many cautionary tales in this. Mm. So South Melbourne to Sydney, generational success. Yep. Fitzroy forced into the merger with Brisbane Bears, total and abject disaster. Scar for the game. It was in the first three to four seasons. In the long term, it's been fine. But it turned what, you look at the Brisbane Bears at that point, I was there in 96, played a prelim final then all of a sudden, slowly over three years, it really fell apart off the field and, and culturally. And then Lee Matthews' group basically brought it back together three or four years later. But it went through two or three years of pain doing that. And there's still some Fitzroy supporters that have glued on. There's some that, that haven't. Um, but I think long-term, that gets fixed. But short-term, 
you're right. That's a lot of pain in that relocation. The Tasmanian Task Force are going to release a statement early next week, I'm told, Jared. They still think there's a bit to play out here and the goalposts could still shift. So they're still optimistic that we haven't heard the last of this in terms of getting what they want. Now, Peter Gutwin yesterday absolutely fed up beyond belief and is threatening to obviously withdraw the funding to the AFL, which is to the tune of about $8 million a year as it stands at the moment for North Melbourne and Hawthorne. Now, they had an in-principle agreement dependent on this report and what Gillan McLaughlin said to have another year down there. So for North Melbourne, that's worth around $500,000 a game. So around $2 million gone if Peter Gutwin follows through with it all. And Hawthorne's five-year deal, which is worth $19 million, expires this year as well. So at the moment, those two clubs aren't playing down there. And I wonder if Peter Gutwin will follow through on that. And if he does, well, the AFL has to find... Um, or those clubs specifically have to find the funding that's been taken off the books. So you have to be careful around retribution that you don't cut off your nose to spite your face because they are getting a team. They, I still think Tasmania is missing the fact they are going to be in the AFL. So it's incumbent on the AFL to put this timeline on. What's the timeline for a team coming to them and asking about the joint venture or relocation? So let's say, what, three months? Every Melbourne team, you've got three months to come to us. And mm. once nobody does, and nobody will, yes. then the, the only option left, as prescribed in the document, is the 19th license. And so then will we get the timeline so that then Tasman- we start. The, the, the other bit Tassie's missing is you have to get, this is not, the, on a pen stroke, the AFL can't go, you're in the competition. You have to get 14 of the 18 yes. votes. And while Colin Carter's really clear that this shouldn't be influenced by COVID, is the timetable has to be influenced by COVID. If Tassie forced a vote tomorrow, they would lose. No, he said that. He said the timetable had to be dependent on COVID, but the decision did not. That's right. Yeah. So Taz, I can't say this enough. Tassie mm. is getting a team. When though? In our lifetime? Absolutely. It, in Peter Gutman's lifetime? I mean, they don't well, know. Political that. lifetimes are short. Yeah, that's right. So the, ty- the first timeline is to rule out relocation and joint venture. And that should be a pretty quick timeline. You would have thought so. There's, there's not a team coming forward to volunteer for that in this environment. And so then it's, okay, let's get on with the night. How do we create a landscape where you'll get 14 out of 18 votes? And that's going to have to wait until the financial ramifications for the industry of COVID are revealed. Teams simply won't vote for it at the moment. I, I think... There is an overwhelming sentiment and public majority backing a Tasmanian team, but there are financial realities in behind that which are going to have to be solved first. Well, according to the report, that that is that is a non-issue. The finances no, stack up, but the imp- the implementation timetable should. No, it's for other oh, teams, yep. not for Tassie. Yep, Tassie, yep. This is, Tassie's getting yep. a team. Yep. It's financially sound. It's they're morally bound to give Tasmania a team, but. The implementation has to be affected by the realities of the now. The best part that you'll like, Jared, is if there is to be a 19-team competition and people say it's a bit awkward to have a buy, that means we get Thursday night football every mm. single week, Jared. No problem. From an on-field perspective as well. So I understand, and I think we all agree, fantastic this is going to happen at some stage, Jared. We'll wait to get more clarity on that. But from an on-field perspective, I'm intrigued about how they actually generate another 40-odd players. And whether you dilute what we're currently doing, whether they get priority picks as previous clubs have done in the last 10 or so years. But how do you get this team to not be what the Suns have been, to not be, I'm going to go there, get drafted, I'm going to sneak out as quick as I can to come back home and come across the water. How do you actually get this club to be on-field sustainable and consistent with their performance where you want to be there? 
Well, we'll, uh, take that, that, that will, we'll take time. We'll take time, but nothing's insurmountable. That's not an insurmountable hurdle, surely. I'm, I'm just talking, even from and, a quality of the football product for a period of time. I mean, we've looked at the Suns for 10 years. Yeah, I think they're improving. I love what they've done the back half of this year. But uh, there's a lot of cautionary tales within this. So you just like to think at some stage, even on field, it is so critical about getting that right lap. Yeah, I think they'll have an advantage that one degree day in the middle of winter. There's no worries about that. When they're, they're used to playing Brisbane Lions going down there to play that game. Yeah. Oh. So to Tassie in a moment's time, the, the two journos who have covered this all the way through and the lay of the land the day after for Tasmania. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X, built tough. The award-winning Crunch Time. The Saturday of the penultimate round of the home and away season. Crunch Time is for the Western Werribee Auto Group. Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. Jared Waitley, Justin Lepich, Nick Del Santo and Sam Edmonds with you. Uh, we've discussed the Giants defeating the Tigers last night, so Richmond's campaign in 2021 is over. The Premiership defence ends. The Giants have taken a stranglehold on a place in the eight. But the biggest topic in footy right now is the team in Tasmania. What form should it take? When does it happen? And the acrimony that has greeted the tabling of the Carter Report yesterday. The front page of the Mercury reads, Do or die for AFL. Gutsy move. Give us a team or there'll be no more footy here. So the demands in the Apple Isle are really clear. And that is where Saturday footy starts. Hawthorne and the Western Bulldogs. I wonder if we might see protesters or picket lines out the front <laughs> of, uh, of the stadium today. So let's head to Tassie and get the lay of the land. It's one thing to have the broad discussion uh, it's another to get the feel for it right there. The, the two most senior journalists who have covered every step of this, and not just this time around either. Brett Stubbs is the sports editor of The Mercury. Brett, great to have you on Crunch Time. Oh, we just rattle around in the background and, and see if we're there. Let's see if Brent Costello is there, sports journalist presenter at Win Television. Brent, can you hear us? Best laid plan. <laughs> we'll have to rattle around in the background and make all of that happen. We're gearing up for a big day of footy for Dometic. Fuel your adventure with Dometic's outdoor drinkware. Can I just correct a 14 of 18 to 12 of 18? So it's the right. clubs who hold the vote, It's a and it is a casting and binding vote. 12 of 18 have to approve any expansion. And Nick Del Sando just mentioned that, I guess, not the talent drain wasn't the word you used, but just dilution. the dilution of talent if we were to bring in a non-eighth thing. Now, after you said that, yes. I got a text message from a list manager at an AFL club who said this, talent pool, massive issue. COVID killing the talent pathway at the moment. AFL doing it no favours. Last year, draft was light on. This year, worse. Kids this year in a worse spot than last year's kids, given two years of interruption instead of one. They need the pathway to get back to where it was, but when does COVID end? It could be years away. So, so that's from someone on the coalface. <laughs> so summary, is that agreeing that, that, that there is, is a concern? With you. And without going into it in too much detail, we've seen highly talented kids go to both the Gold Coast Suns and the Giants, and they've had different results. We're well aware of that. I just don't know how you get this 
product being Tassie to work instantly on field. Not not that they have to win a flag. But a big issue down there has been kids just aren't playing the game anymore. That's the research says concern. that. So by bringing in a big, fat, juicy carrot and a nice stadium and everything around it, do the kids start playing the game again? Because there's, a, there's something within reach, something tangible they can aim for. Do they get them? Do they get them as, as part of the uh, – North yes. Melbourne's got it as their next generation academy zone. Taron Thomas came out of there. Do they just take that zone yes. and that's their – I would have thought. I would have thought too. Absolutely. It was a great way to start the list, Bill. But all that stuff's down the road, isn't it, in terms of concessions and the like. But I uh, hope we get to a position where we can debate all that, Nick. Yeah. I think when whoever has the privilege of sitting on crunch time in 2030 yeah. and they're talking about a round of footy, well, that'll be you. Tasmania will be the <laughs> 19th team and they'll have been well-established and embraced and they'll be fighting through those really difficult years at the start. Can, can I put this on, on you two guys? Uh, are we, and for those that are a little bit more oblivious, are we talking five years or are we talking 10? Like what's, yeah. And I, I know that's a tough Premier, one, but, Premier. But what that, are we that talking? Is, Premier, but, you've cut right to the chase but there. What but what are we that's talking? The whole, yeah, so the whole point is that they want the answer to that question. That question's in the wind. I'd like that the answer. Just to give you some sort of perspective on how far this is going. Like the frustration is clear. Mm. In a lot of ways, we understand what Peter Gutwin went with yesterday. And his passion and the emotion attached to it and how Tasmanian people feel. But are we talking five years or well, the, are we no, the talking... year they used and it's ambitious is 2025. 2025, 2026, which now you would admit is ambitious. But that that the the, the yes and the no, they've always confident it was going to be the yes. They just want to be given something to hang on to. And if but you to do tw- their lap of honor. Would uh, it be different if Nick? they said it's twenty thirty? If you're a Tasmanian, you're Peter Gutwin yesterday and you're speaking on behalf of a whole state. 500,000 people. I think so, but I'd love to be able to ask Brent and yes, Brent down, down in Tasmania what the, the temperature of the people. Now, my mother-in-law lives down in Tasmania. She is a rusted on. She lives around the corner from Bell Reeve. Die-hard Hawthorne supporter. Travels up to Launceston to watch the games. Never misses. I can tell you, if they get a Tasmanian team, I asked her the question, that I will be jumping over like that. Does it mention which stadium? Have they got that far of the detail yeah, so in the report? In the, in the task force report, there's the sharing between Launceston and Hobart and it, talked, it spoke of the, the silver bullet in there, which would be a new stadium, but the state government has no appetite to commit the funds to that. Yeah, because b- both those venues probably aren't up to scratch what I would think of an AFL, so something would need to be done there as well to make them not look like a pre-season type venue in, in mind. There was yeah, mention I, I, in the task force report of a new stadium being built uh, on the waterfront yes, there in Hobart, but, but of course the grand plans. Not up yeah. See, I find those grounds, and I played it um, yeah. in, out of Hobart a handful of times. I'm not sure exactly how many. I love it as a stadium. Like from a player's perspective, yep. always extremely windy and a little bit fresh, I must admit. Yes. But from an actual venue and surface, beautiful, mm. beautiful. Oh, the ground itself's nice. Yeah. The, the, the actual to run on and to play on is fine, but I'm just talking about probably more the aesthetics around the, mm. the outside, the atmosphere that you, you mm. need to have a Would great... it be any different to the Gold Coast, though, in regards to the atmosphere and sort of what you... I know the grandstands are probably a touch yeah, bigger. I think that, well, that's a new stadium that's been sort of purpose-built for its scenario and it's and it's part of the world in the Gold Coast. So I think it's a little bit more purpose-built, yeah. Our grand plans are before, and we're just going to do this one at a time. Okay. So <laughs> I, I overshot. I accept that. Brent Costello is a sports journalist and presenter at Wynn Television. Brent, it's great to have you on Crunch Time. Oh, I'm going to lose my mind here in a minute. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will get ourselves sorted and uh, and see what we can come up with. Um, the Mercury has... Uh, I, I half wondered whether it would be a, a wraparound today. But yeah, how have they reacted? No, it's the front page and, and two pages um, 
inside. Give us the front page headline again, Jared. Have you got it there? I handy? do indeed. You did, you did read it out earlier. Was it a do or die yep. for AFL? Gutsy move. Give mm. us our team, or there'll be no more footy here. And and the clubs involved in this, just to repeat, North Melbourne and Hawthorne, don't think this is a, an empty threat by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. They fully expect Peter Gutwin to follow through in this if the state of play doesn't change. And as we said, it's worth five hundred, half a million dollars a game to North Melbourne, $2 million a year. So it's not chump change. Does that mean that's ultimately going to come back out of the AFL's pocket as they distribute their money? If they're losing two three, five million dollars, whatever it may be. Mm. Are they and also the member base, that's the other bit. So when this eventually comes in, North Melbourne will lose that support through the member base. I think off the top of my head is it Hawthorne have got five odd thousand members down there, something like that. Like a healthy number. So they probably instantly lose that revenue as well. Does that mean it's the AFL putting their hand in their pocket and say, hey, we'll probably make that up to you anyway? Is that enough leverage for Tassie? Like we've all we've got twenty-seven years of contracts now for me, but mm. you're always thinking about: Do I have leverage? Who's got the leverage? Have I got it? As a player, I had the leverage a few times. As once as a coach, I didn't have a lot, Sam. <laughs> Just sort of took what was there. No worries. But who's got it in here? Who's got? Is the is that money that you know the AFL are going to miss out for not playing games down there? Like, yeah, well, it's the only yeah. leverage they've got, isn't it? Yeah, but is it like? Guys, it's not enough to probably make us go, yes, we better put a team down there in the next two years, otherwise we're, we're gone. I don't think it's enough for the – really, if you're talking about a leverage perspective, for yep. the AFL to jump that quickly. But Sammy, did you think that Peter Gutwin's response yesterday was um, – Predictable. Predictable? Yeah. But do you think that – does that represent how the Tasmanians feel? Yeah. Probably off the back of reading a report like this. Did N- he represent them well yesterday? They've got a new NBL team coming in down there, I can What's tell you. What's their name again? That's the funny. Jack Jumpers. That's right. Yep. They're just straight over to watch the Jack Sorry. Jumpers. We'll, we'll follow, we'll follow basketball. Jumpers. Yeah, the Tassie Jack Jumpers lever. What's a Jack Jumper? Well, it's the jumping jack in this part of the world, but, you know, a little oh. nasty little ant with the nippers. <laughs> well, so should, politically speaking, should they get Graham Richardson in to do the numbers behind the scenes? Yeah. Sure. If if they have twelve of eighteen, yeah, and Colin Carter says just plainly they don't. Well, it need it needs a commission. Let's be honest. It needs a commission steer. It needs a. It, it's like bidding for the Olympics. Are we are we going to get them some gold necklaces? And uh, is there going to be some pro, pro, uh, poking and prodding? It needs a commission steer, doesn't it? You can't have Gillan McLaughlin getting up and saying what he did yesterday, and then right, let's put it to a vote and expect to get twelve out of eighteen or whatever it was, fourteen out of eighteen. It's not going to happen. It is the brief for the next chief executive, isn't it? You get that vibe, don't you? Yeah. That, that perhaps you could probably make the case that it's actually not Gil's decision to make. If you are in the final phase and this is actually the future, this is going to be the project of the next administration. Well, a more specific way to ask it, and this is industry speculation that's going around at the moment, is does Gil want it to be his decision? Perhaps not, mm. is what they're saying. And that if he is closer to the end than he is the beginning and and he is set to move on and, and embark on another chapter of his life, is it going to be someone else's baby going forward? So Richmond's a yes, Hawthorne and Gold Coast are a no. Those are the three clubs who have tipped their hands if if this did go to a vote. So that that's the long-term proposition. But but I'll say again, is the what the AFL is duty-bound to do is put together the this is the period of time for any club to come forward to talk to us about the joint venture and the relocation. And once nobody does, that's that. That's the end of it. So that's what's next, isn't then, it? So people listening then all this morning... that's left is the nineteenth license, and yeah. that's where we're going. It'll be a nineteenth license. Then we have to work out. So mm. at what point can you get the votes to make it happen? And then the timeline comes after you are assured that it's going to come in. It's no good setting a timeline for 2026 and then the president's vote no. 
In the meantime, they just keep doing their lap of honour, Jared, do you reckon? Just keep lapping and lapping so and lapping? I, I think they should be demanding, <laughs> yeah. but equally go... I just think they missed the yeah. moment to go. Yeah. What, what a historic moment for Tasmanian footy this year. Finally, the AFL has agreed with what we've all known for a generation, is that we belong in that competition. Yeah. And this is why it'd be great to get Brent and Brett on the line because have they been told what they already know? And have they been told this ad nauseum? And what's the general mood down there in terms of the fed up scale from one yeah. to 10? Are we at, are we at 12 on the needle? <laughs> yes, we are, but they haven't been told before that they're coming in. In fact, very specifically the last time yeah. around when I covered this, and I can't remember whether I was at channel 10 or the ABC at the time is they failed. They put their ducks together. They made their case and they lost. Mm. Mm. So the, but this time they won. Yep. They got their yes. One thing it's interesting to me is when the AFL decide to give the clubs a vote. Um, no, and- that, that's that's not it. No. So that the clubs instituted the commission. Yep. No, it's not the other that's This is not top down. This is the clubs gave the power of running the AFL to a, an independent commission. Yeah. But within that, they retain the right to vote, to vote. on expansion as opposed to... The AFL didn't give the clubs these rights. It's, it's the inverse process. Right. But they can have the vote to decide whether this comes in or not. They have to. They have to. But from my understanding, the AFL, don't they actually run some of these places that get the vote? Well, you would say Gold Coast they run, and yet the biggest opponent to this is Gold Coast, Tony Cochran. But isn't it as simple as... Is he's just it, on the barricades? No. He's not voting yes. It, 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 I might be being facetious, but hasn't there been many decisions over time where there's all of a sudden teams have just gone, yeah, let's just put that rule in because the AFL want have that influence, that overarching influence on that club. It might be a heavy financial burden. It might be just a short-term financial thing that they're working with the AFL on. So they say, well, we'll work with you here if you work with us here. So the AFL don't tend to have a strong opinion on this one. They're definitely handing it over to say, you've got 100% control over your choice here and we're not going to have any influence over it. Yeah, I think... I think they would struggle to exert their typical influence in an expansion debate. Yep. Mm. I think the clubs would absolutely stand militant. And go, I think that would surprise them. Do you think that's the right way to go about it? Uh, well, is that the con- only way to go about it's it? It's constitutionally mm. how it is in the AFL. It's got a bit so, of NFL about it with them being owners, but the owners hold so much sway on who comes in and who can go out at any particular time. I know it's it, yeah. got a lot of control from certain individuals. I don't know what Leper's saying. It might be hard for people to swallow that, that they would be fully independent and the vote would... It's hard not to imagine them sitting around the mahogany table and, and, and this is what we're deciding. Send a message to Tony Cochran and ask him, uh, will you vote yeah. less? yes because you're told to? I'm pretty sure you're going to a colourful reply. Bad example. Bad example. But, no, but it's the right example because the AFL notionally runs the Gold Coast. There's no way Tony Cochran's voting yes. Just no way. It just ain't happening. And this affects some clubs more than others. You, th- you picture the guys at West Coast sitting there smoking that cigar going, what's going on again? Is there a new team going on? Is there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what did we bank again? Another 30 million? Oh, well, so how move, hard move would it be for those individual clubs to take away their own agenda and their own financial strains that a lot of the clubs, particularly in Victoria, are under? And you put it perfectly, Leper. Anyone that's financially viable, that, that is basically independent and can run their own football club would say... We completely agree. It's not going to really impact us for a period of time. It's those clubs that are going to be struggling and say, well, I understand the concept of a 19th club, but what do we lose as a result? How difficult is for those clubs, Jared, to go, okay, this is not about us. This is the greater good. This is what is right for football. I'm going to take my certain club hat off for a moment and vote yes. Tony Cochran, for example. Like We all understand the concept. Yes, it's great. We love it. But what's the cost for individual clubs as a result? How hard is that? 
Well, that you have to reach above human nature and mm. and get the collective. So that that's what has to happen, I guess. The answer to your question is that's what has to happen, and however long it takes is however long it takes. This is one of the few times where ownership is the best model, and I know we don't do that in our game because as an owner, let's say you own one of these Melbourne teams, let's say that we're talking about, let's say St Kilda, because that was mentioned, and it was mentioned that they're financially under the pump more than anyone at, at this point in time, which has changed quite a bit. But if someone said, Nick Del Sando, you own the St Kilda Football Club, I'm going to give you $100 million to move down to Tasmania. Mm. It's your money. It's your back pocket. And you go, I'm looking at the financial model. Geez, I'm going to make th- $3 million on top of that a year. Are you going to upset the 30,000 current supporters or go, my hip pocket, I'm going to do it because I'm going to have to, re- and I'm going to have to wear the pain in the next five years and getting criticised and bashed. But because we're a community-based competition still, the way we run it with boards, there's too much love. There's yeah. too much care and compassion to too make emotion. A, a log- emotion to make yep. a logical business decision because it's coming out of no one's pocket. Yeah, completely like, agree. The one, the best part I think is that public sentiment runs in the, I would say, in the majority for Tasmania. I would say the overwhelming majority. Yeah. What, so, what would the average supporter have against a team being set up in Tasmania? Yeah, but not against their team, though. They'll, they'll, of course they want it, but they don't want it the detriment of their own, anything to do with their own team. No, that, no, but yeah. That groundswell of, no, this is the right thing to do, could help the clubs pass that. It was, if your constituents are saying it's the right thing to do, then... Who who are you saying no on behalf of your coach who wants to win a flag? That's mm. not a very good. That's not a very good reason to say no to a hundred year decision, is it? So, I, I think that feeds into it as well. I'm not sure how Tassie gets a team when we can't even get a phone call across the the Tasman. But anyway, <laughs> might be um, the thing that comes back to bite them. The AFLW <laughs> expansion. So Nick, you're part yes. of this world now. This yep. was hugely uplifting. Yeah. On, on a whole number of fronts because it the cultural movement that this has been, and the completion of four more clubs and their fan bases who will have um, representation in that competition. It's, it was a beautiful moment, it I was. felt, this and week. We've just been speaking about Tasmania and what is right for football, and this is right for football, and so it should. Now, I don't know a great deal about the background in regards to the four teams coming in exactly when they did, but I think the faster the better left, to be completely honest, and I, I joked about this yesterday, as long as it doesn't take away from our football club and some of our best players don't get poached and all that sort of stuff. But I think outside of that and just taking that hat off for a moment and being in the hot seat for about just under two weeks as the coach of the AFLW at the Saints, I think it's brilliant. And now there's some complexities about, well, what does the season look like and all those things that will flow on and we'll work our way through it. But I think, once again, to be a national competition, everybody needs to have a men's team and a women's team. So if you're a young boy or a girl growing up and you want to support the men's or the women's or you want to support both and embrace the whole club, here is your opportunity to love football as a whole. I think it's brilliant. No, it is. It's fantastic. We want to have our girls playing in this sport and create a big, and with every year get better and bigger with our equalisation and what we do with us, just in the teams, the amount of teams that are played, the amount of opportunities for girls and not just that, and then in the monetary scale, which hopefully keeps building and building over the long course. And Tom, having three daughters, I hope there's a lot of money in women's footy, Nick. Um, <laughs> so you can retire. So I can retire nice and early. But, um, but yeah, so it's just fantastic to see. Um, and well done, Beck, Beck Goddard, who just Correct. got appointed as well. The Hawks, um, which is a, a terrific appointment. I've already noticed, actually, with Dell, he's lost a bit of personality. It's only <laughs> been a week. I'm a bit worried. He's getting a bit serious. He's getting a bit grumpy. Losing my hair. Oh, losing your not hair. sleeping at night. Oh, it's all geez. happening, Lip. Yeah. So 16 months they've got. Obviously, the teams, the, the structure will remain at 14 for the upcoming season. But um, I did laugh at Jeff Kennett's tweet, actually. Just a one-word tweet, finally. And I really wish Gil had called him to say, sorry, mate, you are missing out again, as he admitted he was tempted to do for a time. But, hey, they were slow to put in the bid. 
They were late to the party, Hawthorne. Um, and Port Adelaide and Sydney hadn't previously applied for a licence either, and Essendon applied around the same time as the Hawks did. So anyway, it had been a long time coming, but we're finally What's here. the feedback been like on um, during the week with radio talkback? Has it been similar to the Tasmanian sort of feel, that it's just a brilliant thing holistically for football in Australia? Yeah, so the whole each step that's been taken has been a leap of faith, and each time the faith has absolutely been repaid. So there's a, a few making the competition whole, and that that's the right way to frame it. So that was critical. And then the next step for a couple of years down the track will be how to wash enough money through to move it from, it's not semi-professional, it's sort of quasi-professional, is to take the lead from cricket and then flow money through it so that you get ahead of time in a way, although I probably would make the case we're well behind time, but at least it's happening now. So you get the the full flux of the best sporting competition as a result. And the great challenge for this man here alongside us, Jared, is not only does he have to coach the side in year one, he's got to prevent a walkout because in the expansions prior, existing mm. teams were powerless to stop players from joining well, the new I'm going to the man right across from me. How Justin do you the mix? Oh, That is a great challenge. We're going to work through our list at the right time. Sammy, um, it, it honestly will be. Mm. Yeah, like, and I... Four new teams there's there's well. also like a beauty within that because that is what is happening in the men's program as well. How do you retain the players that you want? The Giants have been challenged with it. They've done an exceptional job, but I've been made acutely aware that that is on the horizon. Four even new teams even before in. this announcement got, uh, got brought up. Just but on, it, but it, that's the last time that will yes, happen. Yes. And then it becomes standard player movement. Whatever that looks like yep. in the AFLW, yep. you, you just have to get through that yes. one more step and then trust that the flux of players coming through who by then will have lived the pathway yep. supply. for the six years, yep. you'll get a, a huge supply of players who are in a way indoctrinated in the system and yep. ready to go. You're so complimentary of women's cricket. What did they do brilliantly that's got them into this position? So before it was financially viable, they washed money through to make players professional. And it has tilted the axis of international cricket because Australia did it on their own and now Australia is miles better than the rest of the world. So to take the, the job juggle away, and so netball has lived through this and, gosh, they owe a lot to their pioneers. Yeah. And cricket, before there was really, you would say, the, the certainly the return justification on it, we're, we're doing this. And they did it at, at sort of three different levels and they have just a... They've got the most compelling case study, I think, yeah. in, in, certainly in Australian sport for it, is if you yeah. make your athletes professional, this is how good they become. Do you, do you think this is the perfect way in which the season – I know it's been adjusted again to start earlier in December, but do you think this is going to be the end product? Or what well, cricket sort of – I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Jared, the, the females play before the men a lot, particularly in the 2020 series. Yeah, so now series. the WBBL's been moved into a space of its own. Yeah, yeah so – is this it? Do you think it's the going to be the December to March type season, or would well, you think it'll mirror the men's? Well, and if, well, if there's eighteen before? clubs, if yep. there's eighteen clubs, then I, I don't know whether they can continue to only have ten or so games a year. You know, th then you have the conversation about the, where, where it fits into the calendar. Does it need to, if they're full time or semi full time, can you actually play curtain raises and mix it in with yep. all the other you know style of football that we have? Cricket season, football season, so. I think the options, you know what I love about it? There's actually a conversation around that now, Lep, because then you speak about it, the, the opportunity to play 10 teams out of 18. Now, that's not a fair competition. We have that argument in the men's competition with you know a rollover of playing teams twice, but I think that creates another great 
complexity yeah. of the game and, and something that we'll ultimately work through and get a really good outcome no matter what. All right, I've got a controversial question for yeah, you then, Dale. away. So 10 years' time, the AFLW is all up and running and firing and our players are at the best possible ability. You've got the AFL men's, you've got the AFLW, and then the game now that actually is the curtain-raiser game, which is either the VFL game or the North East, where's that ranked now? Do you, do you think the AFLW would take a precedent as a viewership over a VFL game beforehand? Mm. What do you think? It's a good question. Now that I'm involved, I think we should be prime time so the men can play before us. <laughs> they can be the curtain the race. I, I don't know the honest answer to that. Well, I don't even know whether, even if you're just looking at how many people watch VFL compared to watch AFLW when things are you know normal, take out COVID for a moment, how many they attend to the game. I wouldn't be shocked if it's high for AFLW off the top yeah. of my head, which is a thing of beauty. Oh, that's a great situation to be in, but... That's a great discussion. Has That's another example of what where this game is growing. Has to be AFLW, doesn't it? Well, I think I so. Thought. It's the yeah. top tier competition. Yeah, it's a professional competition. But yeah. um, anyway, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, I suppose. And it'll need to be seventeen rounds in the medium term. Yeah. Is Everyone plays each other once. Absolutely, yeah. is you have to give the competition its its proper credibility, and then work out. I can't wait to see what the what this footprint on the calendar looks like. There's a great gap there for footy. Um, and then which way do you mm. stretch? But the idea of the idea of double headers is really interesting because it does it actually deny the women's game the showpiece that it deserves. But what you've just said around, well, why not if the men's game is in the, in the afternoon, doesn't the women's game go afterwards in the prime time slot, depending on what your television arrangements are? But yeah. the AFL has acknowledged that competing against your own product hasn't been a great result for AFLW. So it'd be nice to see how it goes in its own air. In the current calendar slot, Nick, just quickly, yes. and this is a side issue, but a pretty important one, how much double up from the men's program at St Kilda will then go over and help out the women's program? There's a lot of debate around the soft cap and yes. people getting breaks and holidays. Honest, the- honest answer, working through that, but I know St Kilda, speaking to Simon Lethlene, speaking to Brett Radden, we are prepared to share resources. And that's everything from just free time about talking about um, – everything from game plan, but also just the, the using of assistant coaches as a resource more than anything. So we're working through that. Uh, that was all for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated wherever your adventure takes you with Dometic's rugged drinkware. I'm going to have one more go across the uh, across to the Apple Isle shortly. So that's going to be a nice tense view. you want us to leave the room? <laughs> You're listening to Crunch Time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan, Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. Would have thought it was time for no more bets, Jared. But anyway, Red Rooster as well. We're here for delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster. Available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's Call. Crunch time ahead of round 22, but it is really a view toward the future, which dominates football discussion at the moment. What will happen with a Tasmanian team in the future? So the two most senior journos who have covered this every step of the way, and not just this time around. Brett Stubbs is the sports editor of the Mercury. Brett, welcome to Crunch Time. G'day, Jared. Thanks for having me. God bless you that you're there. <laughs> and Brett Costello is a sports journalist and presenter at Win Television. Brett, it's great to have you on board. Good to be with you, Jared. I'm here too, which is exciting. Yes, that's <laughs> exciting, Brett. Give us your take on the the state mood the day after the Carter report was tabled. Uh, well, I yeah, think look, it was great. Brent, I'll be more specific. Brent Costello, you go first. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. All right, Jared. Yeah, look, it was a fascinating day yesterday. It really was. Uh, Stubbsy and I both went along to the the press conference with the Premier. We didn't really know which way he'd, he'd go with it, but uh, he certainly came out very strongly as everyone's heard now. And um, I think 
we all expected some sort of timeline, potentially, whether that be five years, 10 years, 50 years, just some sort of date. So I think that's thrown a few people off guard here in Tasmania. It certainly has thrown the Premier off guard with some of the threats he came out with yesterday. He's clearly disappointed, but that would be the feeling here, I reckon, is that uh, it's good news uh, that the that, that, uh, Colin Carter's found that we should have a team, but uh, we thought we might have a bit of an idea of when it might be too. Brett, well, Brett Stubbs, what was your perspective? Yeah, that's right. It felt like the Carter report was a significant step forward, but then we had the finishing line moved back as well. So we feel like we're no closer in the end. I heard you talk before. It's, it is a significant moment. We've now got a document done by the AFL that says a Tasmanian team is viable, but the level of frustration is that we're still no closer to knowing when we're going to uh, join the competition. I absolutely understand that the impact that COVID has had, but we've seen this week that the AFL has now announced four new AFLW teams during COVID. We've seen the NBL um, go through the expansion route and the NRL are going along expansion. Yet when it comes to Tasmania entering into the AFL, we're told due to COVID, we can't, uh, we can't plan for that and give us a date. Brett Stubbs, was there a level of affront that the idea of relocation and a joint venture was put forward? Uh, not, not so much relocation. We understand the hurdles with relocation and that, and that would be much more difficult than a standalone team. But certainly there was a level of affront to the joint venture. The, the, the idea of a team being based in Melbourne and playing its home games in Tasmania, I don't think would suit anyone. We, we want emotional investment. We want this team to be part of our community. So at least with the relocation, we would see them in our schools, um, in our community every day that you wouldn't with a joint venture. And that was quickly dismissed 100% by the Tasmanian government. And um, I think that had the very popular support of the, um, the population down here when it came to the, the joint venture option. Brent Costello, how, how tangibly are you able to measure public sentiment at the moment? Yeah, look, um, it's interesting, Jared. I think um, going on from what uh, Stubbsy said too, with a relocated team, um, that would be... Uh, I don't think it'll work here. I think we need a team in our own right as well. Um, at the moment, it'll be a hard enough sell, I guess, with all of us having our own teams here to try and um, buy a membership for a Tasmanian team, let alone a team like, say, a Tassie Saints, for example, or a Tassie Kangaroos that we've all grown up barracking against. So uh, I think there's only one option here moving forward, and that is... Uh, for, for us to have a 19th licence in our own right that we can get right behind and support as a state. Did you feel, Brent, did you feel yesterday when Peter Gutwin spoke that that reflected the feel? I, I know it's probably hard to get a bit of a temperature check just yet, but did that, were those words true to you? Is that exactly how you feel as well? And, and a lot of disappointment on what we've touched on being what we feel, and I know we're not down there, but like a really important day for the competition? Yeah, as you guys said, Nick, it's a momentous day. We've been granted a team, it seems, but this finishing line is is nowhere in sight, it seems, at this stage. And I get that. And I spoke to Colin Carter this morning, actually, and he said the idea of kicking it down the road, the can down the road, as the Premier said yesterday, it's not that at all. Kicking the can down the road would have been not doing this report at all and not putting any of this on the table. So I'll get his point there. But um, I like the Premier's quote yesterday as well, and that was about COVID. And, and the response from the AFL indicated to him that the AFL is so paralysed by COVID that they're not prepared to lift their eyes 
to the horizon and deal with matters that are in front of them. And as Stubbsy said, we've got a new basketball team here in Tasmania. Uh, the NRL is expanding and we've got four new AFLW teams. So it seems like it, it, it is... Not a convenient excuse, but uh, it's one they can use uh, in this situation as well. There's been some suggestions that this could get up by 2026, for example. Would you, would it change the conversation if it, say, was 2030? Would, would that give more comfort, I guess, a lot more clarity for you? But would that suffice, that feeling of we know, need to know when? A hundred percent. I think even if it was 2035, at least we'd have a date and yep. at least we'd have something to look forward to and build towards. We can get the wheels in motion right now, get those pathways all sorted and everyone will be happy with that, I reckon. As Peter Gutwin said yesterday, we're, we're understanding people. If, if COVID is an issue, and we know it is at the moment, clubs are bleeding money, um, we, we, can, we can understand that and, and just say to us, um, whether it be not, not until at least 2026, but before 2031, for example, if there's a five-year window where we might be able to come in, that would be suffice, I reckon, as an answer. So, Stubbsy, what's your understanding about where we go from here? Where does this go from here? Peter Gutwin, obviously, the Premier, made some uh, big threats yesterday. The Tasmanian Task Force is uh, well, biting their tongue, holding their tongue at the moment. Where do you think it goes from here in the next weeks and months? Uh, well, speak to, speaking to the government today, they're back in negotiations with Gill next week. Um, I think they'll be a little bit awkward and frosty to start with, but... You know, they're back at the table. Um, Tasmania certainly laid all its cards on the table. And I heard you talk of, talk before, sorry, about leverage. Um, the leverage we've got is for the AFL. They risk losing a heartland state. That is the situation down here. Yes, we can withdraw the money from North Melbourne and Hawthorne, and maybe that won't put much of a dent into the AFL coffers. But would Gil McLaughlin really like to be the CEO that lost a traditional heartland state to another sport? That's what the that's what the uh, task force review found. That's what the Carter report found is that interest in the code is is uh, waning down here, and this is a way mm. that everyone mm. believes can solve that and bring enthusiasm and refire that rekindle that passion that Tasmanians have for football down here. Now, Brent, um, Jared mentioned before you need twelve sort of I guess votes from the the clubs in the competition. Do you know who they are? Do you know who's on your team? Do you know? What phone calls you need to make to, to sort of get everyone over the line? Wouldn't have a clue, Leopard, no. Um, obviously, um, Tony Cochran's made it pretty clear that uh, he would, uh, wouldn't would vote uh, for a Tasmanian team at the moment. Mm. But uh, we heard from Peggy O'Neill yesterday, the Richmond president. She was uh, supportive of, of the push, whether she'd vote for us, uh, not sure. But, uh, yeah, not, not quite clear on uh, what the numbers would be at this stage, no. Stubbsy, what's your read on that? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I, I'm a bit blind at this stage to be doing but I do know that uh, Brett Godfrey spoke to a lot of the presidents um, du- during the putting their business case um, together, and they were supportive of it. They were very supportive, but of course that was done pre-COVID. So I think we're uh, we're in a bit of a dark place at that moment. So there'd have to be some serious lobbying going down. But the the point we're trying to stress is we're not bringing in a team next year. This is future planning and, you know, there's plenty of time for the AFL to, re- to rebuild its coffers before a Tasmanian team enters the competition. So just to each of you in turn, as Brett Stubbs, you first, um, do you think in your working life you'll be covering Tasmania's own team in the AFL? Uh, 51% of me says yes, 49% says no. That's a yes. It just comes down to how long you want to work for, Stubbsy. That's the first one. Exactly. Hey, that's your super looking, Stubbsy. Uh, Brent, I've been what covering a... this story for Go 20 on. years now. So. Yeah. Brent, what I about feel like you? We're slowly getting closer. 
Yeah, look, Jared, I um, I think, yeah, I think I'm pretty positive about it. As Stubbsy said, we've been covering this for a very long time, and uh, it seems like we do go around in circles sometimes. But I do think, in all honesty, yesterday was a pretty good step forward. Um, but we just missed a, a little bit of information that we we're hoping for, I think. So hopefully, now that they're back at the negotiating table, something might happen. I think it's fascinating about what's going to happen with Hawthorne and North Melbourne. And I said to the Premier yesterday, do you think this threat of of, um, of, of not renewing these contracts uh, will affect the AFL. And he said, we're about to find out. So, um, and just to see what sort of a threat it's going to be. So, yeah, look, I, I really hope so. It'd be unbelievable. Um, it'd be the biggest story we've ever covered if it does come off. So, fingers crossed we've got some positive news to talk about soon. So, in off the back of that, Stubbsy, do you think you'll be covering games in Tasmania next year? No. Okay. Ooh. That's really interesting. Mm. Is there yeah. a risk? I think the, yep, go on. I was going to say, I think, and I think the public sentiment is behind that. You know, the, you've seen the crowds drop off for Hawthorne on North Melbourne here. I think there is a level of angst here that we're dishing out Tasmanian taxpayers' money and the AFL don't seem to be any closer to rewarding us for our loyalty and the resources that we've given to the, to the league over all these years. Yeah, well, that's a state of brinkmanship in that case. Uh, great to talk to both of you. Um, congratulations on all the work you've done over many years. Yeah. Uh, let's hope it does come to fruition. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks guys. Brett Stubbs from The Mercury, Brent Costello from Wind Television. Well worth the wait. I'm so glad we got them both on. It, that was mm. some real clarity, I thought, in that when we're lacking. All of that, aren't we, Jared? <laughs> Throughout the season, we will be counting down the most unbelievable moments in footy history for Furphy Refreshing Ale Unbelievable. We had Jason McCartney on the program last night, and it did bring this moment to mind. Got it to Grant, ran into trouble, taken down by Bowden. Brown again, got it to King, penetrating kick inside the 50. McCartney behind, and McCartney has taken the mark. And listen to that roar. And I am just so full of praise for the people with this sense of sportsmanship here. The rich, there's rich, people in the Richmond cheer squad applauding in this effort here. What a start to the term it would be. Jason McCartney knows how to kick them. So Jason McCartney's return to footy absolutely in those most memorable moments that we've seen. Furphy, unbelievable moments. Furphy, refreshing ale, unbelievable. We've got the rev up to come. We'll set the day of footy up and we will be turning our attention to Hawthorne and the Bulldogs down in Tassie coming up. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. And for Red Rooster's new crunchy fried chicken, available at selected restaurants. Who needs a rev up for Harley Heaven? The Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. The crunch time feature, the Harley Heaven rev up late in the program for Harley Heaven, the home of Harley Davidson. It was going to be a rev up for Geelong, who were beaten by the Giants at GMHBA. They play St Kilda and Melbourne, both at home over the last two Ten days ago, as Nick Revolt was just making the case, they couldn't have been better set. And now just one by one issues are arising. How? Let's forecast. If the Tom Stewart injury, if the tremor around that proves to be real, the foot injury that he picked up at training and he's out for the season, 
What does that do to their prospect slipper in your mind? Oh, you lose your number one interceptor. Um, gee, that's a challenge, mm. isn't it? Like it, it's you can. I think you can survive a game without a player. I think last night proved with Toby Green out of the team. Um, Torando goes and kicks four goals. But if we're playing that this week, Torando's not kicking four goals again. You can just get away with some things every now and again. But over the course of five weeks to to miss him, that's that's trouble. I think it, I think he's their most important player. Yeah. But it compounds the other players that are, that are out because you instantly think, well, who can play that role? Who can be that supporting player? So Lockie Henderson comes in as the tall. So therefore, the ripple effect is who can be that roll-off defender? Zach Tui's not there. So then you start to work your way down the list, and it all starts because of significant injuries. To, well, we think it is to, to Tom yeah. Stewart, and then you start to question. I still have confidence. I, I still think that they are the most consistent team in regards to their system and their execution of it. They were poor last week, no doubt about that, and they need to cop that. I think they'll bounce back today against the Saints. But when they come up against the very best, I'd like to think that they can. I'll use the word manipulate, but they can change this personnel to still find that sort of role left. Pray for the pre-finals bye for Geelong. Absolutely pray that it somehow remains because you need every day now that you can possibly get because you mentioned Rowan on that hip. Tui hamstring, that's going to be touch and go for finals. Stuart, who knows? They're seeing specialists today and in the days to come about where that sits. And Mitch Duncan, who they're hoping will be right for their first final as well. And Jeremy Cameron coming back. Well, that that is last chance saloon because any other nick there and you'd think he'd be done for the season as well. It changes quickly, doesn't it? It does, it does. So the Cameron one's in your mind, Dal? Yeah, yeah. And Lip is, as a senior coach, but from a player's perspective, injuries happen. Soft tissue injuries mm. happen, unfortunately. The last thing that you ever want, and what is unacceptable from a medical perspective, is re-injuring those, that same muscle group. I hope he has a fantastic run. I hope he does a brilliant, plays perfectly for the next six weeks. You've just got to get this right. No risk from here, because if this goes down, being Jeremy Cameron... We're having the same conversation from the other end of the ground next week. And you don't want to have that at both ends of the ground this time of year. And it just proves I'll need everything to go right. When I say everything to go right, week one, if you're in the top four, if you win that first game, that's that extra week off and that's that extra rest. So if they lose that first week and they've got to back up again with a half-battered team and some players that are just not quite right and they need another week for Stewart to get back or another week for Cam, they're the, that's the good luck versus bad luck sort of thing that can happen in this time of the year. So it's real. It's real. You know, premierships can be won and lost off the back of a few weeks like this um, where, where just everything goes wrong. I've seen it happen before. How much do you think this changes their next six weeks? How drastic is this? Oh, I think the Stewart injury is a huge injury. Um, he's there. Craig Jennings describes the center of gravity. He is their center of gravity. Um, so yeah, it was a bit like with the Josh Bruce injury. It leaves you improvising at a time where you actually just want to yeah. settle everything yeah. down. You yeah. want to run plan A through to a premiership. At training too. Oh, that yeah. hurts, doesn't it? And not even in the heat of battle. You go down on a routine training session. That cuts deep, doesn't it? And for Carlton today, if you're at home and you're looking forward to watching the Navy Blues, it might be a case of if you don't want to know the score, look away now, right now. I mean, how's the team that's going to run out for the Blues today? We mentioned the two debutants. Jack Martin's not playing. Paddy Cripps isn't playing. Mackay's not playing. Lean Jones is out. Jack Silvani's out. Zach Williams has done his hamstring again. Charlie Kerno needed to pass a fitness test, but he's going to play some 300th game for Mark Murphy to run out in. We're going to come back through that, uh, Leper. We'll, we'll do that shortly. Just how does the AFL land the rest of the season from here, do you think? So they've got to decide. Um, so reading the tea leaves, they're, they're going to play through and not put the buy in. But if they put a buy in, say, to relocate the comp to Western Australia before the preliminary finals or before the grand final, 
so it, we find ourselves in familiar territories. If, for instance, they wanted to play the last three games in Perth and he had to take the bye for quarantine there, you'd have the teams who won the qualifying finals having two weeks off before they played a preliminary final. Mm. Or you could end up playing um, qualifying final, week off, preliminary final, week off, grand final. Like that, Nothing here is simple, but the football implications are big. What's normal in 2021? I just think it's a continuation of it. The teams have been able to just adapt the best or will win. And we still don't know. We, 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 this is the year, though, Dale, isn't it? Yeah. We don't know what we're doing in three days, let alone three weeks. And uh, we still can't even decide whether we're having a buy or not having a buy. I, I get the feeling, and I, this is just my, my take on it, that clubs are aware to some degree that the buy is gone in two weeks' time. Players are getting rested this week, which is highly yep. unusual for this time of year. So the strategy is already being implemented. And yep. there will be some... Um, eyebrows raised, like, why would we be resting this certain player who's so pivotal, knowing traditionally they've well, got two weeks off, uh, a week off in two weeks' time? Well, there's a reason behind why it. Why so is I, Carlton resting players when they don't <laughs> end up, when they're playing finals? I think what is going on right now? Buddy Franklin being rested. Yeah. We heard Tom Harley saying, we need to know, we need to know now. Well, they they clearly think something's up. So he's resting now. They're not going to get the pre-finals by that he otherwise would have rested on. And I think the Western Bulldogs players have been told as well that there's not going to be a pre-finals by. Have so you got any on. line of sight about where the first, say, two weeks of finals are played? before they, for example, would move to yeah. Perth? It's Go a, on, Jared. It's a guess. Okay. So I I think, I'm happy to I hear I think the guess. first two weeks will be played wherever they can be without any relocation. And I no think, crowd, therefore? Like if it's Victoria, they're prepared to say no crowd's okay? Could they fly and fly out of somewhere? I, it, that's possible, or it could be empty stands. I, if there's going to be a relocation, I think it will come before the preliminary finals. So I think they'll relocate four teams and play the last three games in Perth if that's the decision they choose to make. I don't think it'll just be the grand final, but that that could change in five minutes' time. That There's guessing in that. You can give us a ring on the open line, 1-300-736-736 for Southern Phone. Awesome new SIM-only offers. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. From Southern Phone, this has been crunch time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough.